0: Welcome back to my show. I'm Father Roderick, and it is a great day to be podcasting. Although it's not a very great day for many of my fellow Dutchmen today, but at least here behind the microphone, I'm doing well this episode is brought to you thanks to my patrons over at patreon.com slash father if you want to support me and also get some perks for instance an extra show every time i record a podcast i also record an extra episode for my uh, patron supporters and um, if you join the second tier so the the first tier is the is the the lowest amount it's 250 that will give you access to the podcast to extra podcast and to the discord server but starting with the other tiers you will get extra uh, audio content so i've been recording a full commentary on the loki series and that series of course is now finished so i'm going to move over to maybe star wars maybe something else i don't know yet but you will see these episodes pop up in your feed Uh, as long as you're subscribed to it. So, um... That's what I wanted to say. Thank you for all of you that have been joining the Patreon community. I hope you have a wonderful time on the Discord server. Um, Every week I'm happy to see more people joining the community and hopefully you'll feel very welcome. Do you know what's going on? This is what's happening in your world. Face it, Catholics rule. We got Boston, South America, the good part of Ireland, and we're making serious inroads in Mozambique, baby. You've taken your first step into a larger world. So in my introduction I already said that this was not a very good day or is not a very good day for many of my fellow Dutchmen and that is also true for people in Belgium and people in Germany. We have huge inundations going on. There's been so much rain that the rivers that flow through our countries have uh, started to swell up and now uh, parts of the southern part of the Netherlands, parts of Germany and parts of Belgium uh, have been inundated. Uh, friends of mine who live in the south of the country have been evacuated because they their houses close to the river. Um, and we're talking about more than ten thousand people that have been evacuated. Sometimes in the middle of the night or very early in the morning, because the water is very un- in- unpredictable, and it's it's pretty hard to calculate how fast the situation will uh, evolve and and also we don't know exactly what the weather is going to do. Um, water management has always been a forte of the Netherlands, but it's usually our management of the water that threatens us from the sea. And so we built our dikes, we have our windmills and everything. Most of the Netherlands was was fought back from the from the waters of the sea but this time the danger is coming from the other side of the country from the rivers. And so my heart goes out to uh, all the people that I know that, that live there. I've also got quite a bit of family living in the south of the country. So I hope this will soon be over and uh, that our community can help the people that were affected by this. Because I, I, I'm currently still renovating the, the rectory and, and today... I went over to take a look and they were working on the new kitchen, which is, I'm super excited about that. Uh, seeing the kitchen coming together is like, wow, I finally actually really have a house <laughs> it's a, or, or a home because the kitchen will be an important place where I'll spend a lot of time. And hopefully I'll also be able to stream from my kitchen and share some recipes or try out some recipes from the Discord community. But uh, then I read uh, an article an interview with someone who lives in the south of the country and she said, we had just finished a new kitchen and now there was like a meter of water in her house and everything is destroyed. And I was thinking, well, imagine that that would have happened to me. I mean, how... That would be awful. That would be really, really awful. Now, of course, with insurances, etc., everything can be repaired and it's just, you know, physical matter, but still, you know, it's this... this this desperation and that you see your home being being destroyed by, by all this uh, violence of nature. And this is, of course, not the only thing that is uh, worrisome. I also continue to hear stories about these heat waves in uh, North America um, and these crazy temperatures that are potentially even lethal in some parts of the country. So I hope that all of you are well. Um, and again that that this will hopefully soon improve and then of course there is still the ongoing pandemic which we thought two weeks ago was almost over at least here in the Netherlands people stopped wearing their masks Uh, our government decided to to, uh, give us a a lot of our freedom back and uh, immediately people started to go out and party and even though Uh, like formally they were still doing uh checkups on on health and then you had to show uh proof that you had been tested or that you had been vaccinated but then a lot of young people were 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 uh, uh using all sorts of tricks to still be able to party without having been vaccinated and without having to uh uh, to be t- ha- without having been tested. And so we've had in the week following the opening of the country, we've had the, the most severe increase in, in infections that we've ever seen. Right now, two weeks later, this only in two weeks, the amount of infections has um, risen 700 percent. There are more people getting infected than ever before during the pandemic. The only difference with the, pr- the the year behind us is that the amount of people that end up in the hospital is much smaller because um, more than 90% of the population is willing to get vaccinated. Um, and so we see that uh, the large majority of people that are now getting sick and that are um, uh, being infected have not been vaccinated or have not been vaccinated yet. So... I, I'm hopeful that even though the disease is spreading again like wildfire, and of course this is still going to accelerate exponentially, that the, the actual life-threatening aspects of the virus will be mitigated by the vaccinations. doesn't really solve everything, because I know from personal experience that even if you don't end up in the hospital, uh, the virus can still destroy a lot of your health and um, well, I'm one of those people that got long COVID and it wasn't fun. And it was actually not as long as long COVID has been or still is for many other patients. So I consider myself even a bit lucky, but man, it was not something I'd like to uh, to do again. And even now I sometimes have what I think are, are still long-term effects of of uh, of the coronavirus. So I will have these sudden collapses where I'm just so extremely tired and I don't know where it's coming from because I'm actually quite fit I've started to train for a marathon again, I'm eating super healthy I'm losing weight, so there is really nothing, I'm actually I don't have that much stress anymore because I'm done filming, so I'm, I just have to sit here in front of the computer and do my editing so and yet I still have these these fatigues these, these moments where I Gosh, it's like some some most of the time I feel like the Hulk and then all of a sudden I'm back to being Bruce Banner who's sick and miserable, <laughs> shivering in a corner. Um, yeah, so I hope that it, you're safe. I hope that we will be able to get over this virus and uh, and I hope that people will get vaccinated and will feel a lot better and will be protected. That's all you can do, right? You can only hope and do what you can do to improve the situation and and be responsible and uh, and then hope for the best all right let's go and take a look at the world of movies and tv shows how <laughs> do you not like movies they're predictable like the guy gets the girl and that kid sees dead people and darth vader is luke's father not liking movies is like not liking puppies they're fine i just get bored and never make it to the end you know you need a movie education you need a movication now I'm gonna give it to you. So, we have had the season finale of Loki, um, a series that I've been commenting upon uh, for six weeks now, and I'm surprised that it's only six episodes. It 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 goes by so fast. Um, it's a very interesting story, very daring. The conclusion it was not as not what I expected. Well, actually, I predicted some of the stuff that happened in the finale. I'm pretty proud of that. So if you listen, if you're a patron and you have access to my commentary on episode five, you'll see that I actually got a few things right. Not everything, but a few things. I was a bit surprised by the way that they ended the story. Um, but at the same time, I'm also eager to see where they're going to take this. Um, it, it, it opens up a whole new phase in the MCU. And, and I love the... Storytelling possibilities that it has created. And uh, we've had a pretty good run, I think, of, of Marvel's TV series. Now let's let's focus on what's really important. Let's do more Star Wars. <laughs> I mean, come on. We're waiting for about a gazillion Star Wars series that are currently in production. And, well, I'm starting to get a little bit, not nervous, but hungry, hungry for Star Wars. Of course, we've got the Bad Batch, but that's still animation. Um, and I'm very far behind on the Bad Batch, um, but it almost feels like it's not enough. We've been so spoiled with the quality of the Mandalorian that I'm so desperate to see more live-action Star Wars series. And you bet that now that I have the, ha- I've gotten the hang of doing these impromptu. Commentaries. I'll have a lot of fun doing that for Star Wars as well. And in the meantime, maybe I'll just have to nurture my soul by watching, by rewatching a few movies and maybe do some commentary on that. There's always something I can say about Star Wars. <laughs> in other news, um, I have continued to watch the first season of Shadow and Bone, um, based on the books by Leigh Bardugo. And I'll talk a little bit more about those stories and the book section, because I finished the first book and I've started to read the second book. Um, I'm really enjoying the TV series. It's actually quite good. It is, uh, it's different from the books. I think it integrates also some elements from the... There are, I think, two series now. One is a trilogy and the other one... Is still ongoing, and I think they they kind of mixed some of the stories together, uh, like they sometimes do for the purposes of it being television and not a book. Uh, but it's it I think it really captures the spirit and kind of the overall feel of the of the stories the way I imagined it by uh, while while reading them. So that's definitely um, something I I uh, I'm looking forward to continuing. I was a bit. Uh, well, actually, I was not surprised, but I was still a little bit sad that they canceled the um, series. What was it called again? Uh, it was a Netflix series with an alternate take on the story of the Arthurian legend. Um, and it starred like this girl with special powers. I mean, it was okay. I definitely had some criticism on it. I can't believe I forgot what the uh, what the title was of that show. It didn't make a big impression on me. Um let me just uh Google. Um what they canceled recently. Oh, cursed. It was called cursed. I don't know, but I found these results and <laughs> Google thinks I'm talking to to my Google home. Like, I don't know what you're talking about. Well, let me show you some random results. Yeah. So um I should cancel my my Google Home when I'm podcasting. Uh so unfortunately uh we will never get to see the the rest of that story oh come on shut up i'm talking to my to my listeners here don't interfere <laughs> uh but for curse as well curse was also based on novels and those books of course have already been finished so if you want to know how the story ends then um Then you always have the books. And I kind of like it. Even if we only get one season of a certain series, it does help to visualize. At least if it's done well. Not always. Like the, what is it? The Sonara Chronicles. Um, That is actually a TV version that was done by MTV. And it was not really good. It was so subpar compared to the descriptions in the books. And then there's one series, of course, that I'm super nervous about because it's it's going to be such a almost impossible task to translate that to the, to, to the television, and that is The, the, the Wheel of Time. Um, the Wheel of Time is often called kind of the American Lord of the Rings. Um, I don't think that it does it justice because it's a very different style but the world building is similar, so it creates this amazing, fantastical world with so many different characters and storylines and, and 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 background information. It is an incredible uh, feat um, in the fantasy literature. And what we know is that they're they're currently working in post production on the first season of uh, based on that on the book series. Uh, but they already told us that they are going to blend some characters together, and then they had to film this during the pandemic, so maybe all that also uh, forced them to uh, to keep it simple. And what I, what I hope is not going to happen is that it becomes small-scale drama like what they did for The Witcher. Now, I'm a huge fan of what they did with The Witcher, but... It still feels like a relatively small-scale television show, whereas The Wheel of Time, it it needs to be epic. It needs to be on par with what what Peter Jackson did with uh, with The Lord of the Rings, and it's got a huge budget, so I'm sure it will be it will be good. It will be definitely more than than what they did with Cursed, and possibly also with Shadow and Bone. Which, even though I like Shadow and Bone much more than Cursed, it's you can still you know, see that it is done mostly in CGI and uh, a lot of the sets are pretty small. So it's, it's an admirable job, but I hope that Wheel of Time will be a lot more epic um, because, you know, it's not every day that you get to see um, a, a, a project of this scale and, well... Anyway, it's another reminder that I need to hurry up reading the books because I'm so far behind. I'm only reading the third book right now, and I still have like 11 books to go, maybe 12. Oh, I don't want to think of it. It's so much work. In other news, um, I want to recommend that you watch a documentary if you want to know more about a saint who influenced my life to a huge extent, and still is very important to me, and without who I probably would have discovered my vocation to the priesthood at a much later date, or maybe not at all, who knows. The saint that I wanted to bring to your attention is Therese of Lisieux. That is me trying to do an an English accent, an English pronunciation, if you pronounce it the way it is pronounced in France, where she's from, it would be Saint-Thérèse- St. Uh, Therese, or Little Therese as she's also called, is a, one of the doctors of the church, which is stunning because she died at the age of 24, if I'm not mistaken. 24. Like I'm t- almost twice her age, but she ended up a doctor of the church. And that despite the fact that she's been locked up in a monastery for most of her life and has not written any theology. The only uh, written books that we have are the stories that she wrote down um, at the request of her mother superior, and that was then, I think she wrote like three accounts on her of her life, and those were merged together in what is often now titled uh, The Story of a Soul, um, which was actually... Uh, redacted by one of her real-life sisters. So she came from a family of... Um, 12 children? A, a quite a bunch of children, the four of which died pre- uh, at a very young age, and all the others were girls, and they all and ended up as religious sisters. Um, and I think most of them actually lived with Therese in the same monastery. So anyway... The story of a soul is a uh, has had a huge impact on the uh, church of the last century on the spirituality of many people and in most churches I guess you will find you will still find a statue of her she's been extremely popular um and for a good reason because the her what she called the the well actually what her sister called the little way of saint thérèse was um In a way, very good for still very very good for our times, where the world is sometimes so complicated, and we often wonder uh, what is our place, what is our vocation. And and Teresa of Lisieux makes it all very small. She she breaks it down to the basics. You know, we we are children, and if if we cannot do things on our own strength, and she spoke from experience, being still young and being uh, sick very often, then God is so much stronger than we so he will carry us you know if we call him father then he must have parental qualities like and so if parents would carry their children if they fall down then by all means God will probably do that even better with us and so it's it's a very very uh, well from from the uh, from the looks of it very very simple spirituality but it's a simplicity that i think is very evangelical, very much from the gospel itself it's what jesus says you know uh children can understand his message you don't have to be a theologian to uh to 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 make it anywhere in the kingdom of god quite on the contrary sometimes being small um being poor being a child can help you can accelerate your process because god will uh will fill in the blanks he will he will compensate for for your weaknesses, which, by the way, is something that even the great Saint Paul says, you know, it's when, I, when I'm weak, that's when I'm strong, because then God is my strength. Now, if you want to know more about this saint, I will tell you very briefly how I got to know her, which by itself was quite extraordinary in its simplicity. So I was an avid book reader, I still am, and so I spent most of my spare time after I'd done my homework at the library and I would sit there for hours on Saturdays. I would sit there all day long. I would uh, be waiting for them to open the doors at 9 o'clock, and then I'd be there reading books until, I think, 4 or 5 when they closed the library, and I would just read, 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 read. My mom uh, was at one point at the library, and she saw that there were a number of carton boxes with discarded books, books that had been read too many times and they were falling apart. So they would sell those books for one one euro or well, back, back that, then it was still a, a guilder, <laughs> That was our currency. So it was almost nothing. It's like 50 cents. And so my mom bought a number of books uh, for me and, because she knew that I loved reading. And you know, there were some children's books and some... Well, not children's books. She, know, she knew that I liked science fiction, so I remember that was like a science fiction novel that was actually for adults. Um, but I read it anyway. <laughs> and then and there was this book that looked a little bit strange to me, a bit girly in the sense that it had a... Um, the, the, the cover of the book was entirely white and there was a flower created out of colored paper that was you know, printed on it. So like a red flower. And then underneath the title was Last Conversations or something like that. And I started reading it and I was like, "What? what is this? And I had never heard of Therese of Lisieux. Uh, I grew up in the 70s and 80s. So that was not a time where saints were often mentioned in church or anywhere else. Uh, and so I, I, and I, I didn't know what I was reading. the, the What I could... It's read like a diary, like today. Uh, Therese was not doing very well, but she said this and that, and so I soon started to understand that this was actually uh, these were conversations of this girl who was terminally ill. She had tubercul- tu- tuberculosis. What a word! Um, so she was coughing a lot. She was, and then, well, it was not looking good, um, but. Her sisters were at her side every day and had conversations with her about her prayer life, about her relationship with God, about her sometimes also her pain, her 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 worries, her doubts, her weaknesses, and it made an, a huge impression on me because this was the first time that I read about someone who was almost my age. I think I must have been sixteen or seventeen when I read that. Therese was twenty-four. And so it was someone young like me. But the way she talked about her relationship with God was so so almost as if she was just talking to a relative. and there was there was such a vibrancy, such a, it felt so real and so so normal in a certain way. I'd always thought that in order to pray, you would have to, you know pray like with Bible words or pray like the priest in church using language that most of the time I couldn't follow at all. And and that prayer was something that should be surrounded with all sorts of uh, of rituals and stuff. And here was this girl, and the only thing she could do was lay in bed and try to survive another day. But her prayer life was so alive, so vibrant, so inspiring that I started to emulate that. I started to pray like Therese was praying. And I kept it very simple, and I was just, you know, here I am, Lord, and today this happened, and I, I don't know what to do, and I feel like I, I didn't live up to your expectations or to my expectations. Can you help me? Very, very simple, you know, small talk almost. And I think that's maybe has been the most important factor in my prayer life for the first 10 years of my, of my adult life. Where it's truly her example that taught me how to pray and and helped me to forge a very strong relationship with God, which then ultimately, of course, if you open the door to God uh well he he'll he'll walk in <laughs> and and before you know it, your life is completely different, and so I blame it on saint therese she really uh, was the catalyst, I think, for my vocation, or at least for the process of rediscovering my faith and and, make it, and making it my own. Now, the documentary that I wanted to recommend is available on YouTube. It's made by a couple of friends of mine who are in Scotland, very, very active with, with new media, which is not that new anymore, but they are... Uh, I still remember how they started off, it, I think it was around the time of World Youth Days in Spain, and they were making these short reports of what was going on in Madrid and everything. And then they continued to do interviews and stream masses and whatnot. And now they have created a, a number of documentaries. And for this one, they actually went to France with their parish priest. And uh, I think the the, the the occasion is that they have uh, uh, a bit of a sanctuary or at least a, a place where where um Saint Thérèse is, is venerated in their parish and they wanted to show the people um that are following their YouTube channel The Full Story and so they they actually went to Lisieux and and and, and to the uh what is it uh, uh, or the 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 village where where Thérèse was born and they interview a ton of people and it's really good content. Uh it's all most of it is in English if it's in French then they have subtitled it. Um and it's available for free. Um I'm currently mining it a little bit to help me with uh, an episode I'm making for Dutch TV about uh, three saints that have played a major role in my own vocation story. Therese and Bernadette, Bernadette Subiru of um, Lourdes, and then Saint Joan of Arc. Uh, so three women, actually, that had a very important impact on, on my prayer life and on my own relationship with God and on my own life. So... I wanted to dedicate an episode, but I I've not been to Li uh for for at least twenty five years, maybe even longer. So I didn't have any footage from Lisieux. I saw this documentary as I asked them, Can I can I use a bit of the you know, the interviews that you did in order to tell the story and make it come alive? Because you know, I can do voiceover with pictures, but that's not very. That's not going to have the same impact as showing some of the stuff that you filmed over in Lisieux, which they they granted me permission to do that. So, um, I'd like to recommend it to you. It's called "In Search of the Little Flower," Saint Therese of Lisieux. There is a link in the show notes in case you can't find it on YouTube. <laughs> Catholics rock. A Peculiar Bunch, we're we'll always happy to tell you everything you always wanted to know, but you were afraid to ask. Catholics can be a peculiar bunch. No meat on Friday. No oh, meat? What do they eat? Light bulbs? And while I'm recording, while I was recording the uh, the part about Therese of Lisieux, I think the stream went down. The video stream, I was streaming this live on Man, YouTube you and got Facebook. More crazy rules than blockbuster Video. It's always the same. This the internet here needs a patron saint, who uh, or maybe some angels that can <laughs> can help me to uh, uh, to to maintain the connection. The thing is, I'm on cable internet, and uh, cable internet is actually um, limited or funneled. I think when it comes to the upload, the download is pretty fast, but the upload is terrible, and so it is uh constantly breaking and then i i try to revive the so now i i want to exit the the stream so i'm going to just but i then i have to completely like hard quit the program and then because the program itself thinks it's still streaming but in the meantime the internet connection is gone so uh yeah 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 Then yeah, yeah. people were complaining in the chat rooms like now we don't know the, 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 the title of the documentary that he's been talking about for 15 minutes. So hopefully they will find the show notes or listen to the podcast. What I'm going to do now is to kind of restart the, the program and, and see if I can launch another stream. This is so frustrating. Um, in the meantime, let me let me tell you what I was going to talk about here. Um. In 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 the um, Father Roderick to the Max the show for the patrons. I will talk a little bit more about something important that happened today. I'm recording this on Friday, uh, the 16th of July, Um, and today Pope Francis published a motu proprio in which he um, put some uh, or he made some decisions concerning the um, the liturgy according to uh, Saint John. Um, Pope Saint John the Twenty Third's uh, missal, so the what they sometimes call the old mass, uh, which Pope Benedict kind of made opened to to basically any priest who wanted to celebrate it, and Pope Francis, after consulting bishops and after um, uh, speaking with the Congregation uh, for the Doctrine of Faith, decided to. Well, to to make some some to restrict the possibilities, and that got a few people, or actually quite a few people, quite upset. So I have some ideas on that, and also I want to just give you my my thoughts on maybe why Pope Francis has taken that decision. But that would be a little bit too detailed for for this podcast uh, today. I wanted to talk with you about something else that. I was wondering while I was editing my show about uh, about Saint Therese and Saint Bernadette and then Joan of Arc. Saint Therese and Bernadette, Bernadette are very kind of peaceful saints, you know, and just young women that had, uh, well, in, in the case of Bernadette, of course, a mystical experience seeing the Virgin Mary. Uh, Saint Therese of Lisieux, so just a very faithful little girl, um, uh, and but Saint Joan of Arc is kind of atypical. She is a very strong young woman who actually convinced the the king of france that he should fight back against the English who had occupied well more than half of the country at the time and so she actually uh fought with the troops to get rid of of the english and and made sure that the um uh that the king of france got his throne back and of course even though she she tried to um get people to to um to surrender peacefully when that didn't happen she would still go and fight and many people died <laughs> so uh it is um the, the what kind of the conundrum that i was in like this, of course, is a saint. So, how can we condone or how can we justify her uh, her actions, her very violent actions, fighting? Uh, even though, of course, the cause in itself was uh, chase the ocup- occupying armies of the of the English out of the country, which you know in itself there's something to say for that. But what about the violence? Is, isn't the Catholic faith or Christianity is supposed to be nonviolent, and so why did we canonize someone who actually fought and used used violence, and 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 fought with armies um, to reach her goal? Um, I don't know the answer to that. I just know that, of course, you always have to look at the con- the total context of time, um, and also realize that there. Are has been and still is quite a bit of violence uh, throughout history. And you always have to wonder, is that violence actually something that religion causes? Or is violence just part of our human condition? And is religion trying to be an antidote to that? Uh, so in to, to which extent is the war that... Uh, uh, Saint John of Arc fought, uh, justified by the fact that well, the country was suffering from the occupation by the English. Same thing with the Crusades. You know, uh, a lot of violence happened w- with the, uh, w- during the various Crusades, but, but the Crusades in itself were a response or a, were an answer of the of the Pope back then. Uh, the first one was, uh, by the way, also a French pope who in, who started the first crusade, Urbain or Urbanus, Urban the the second, um, but it was a um, he was trying to help the Christians in the Holy Land that were um, being oppressed by the Muslim by Muslim occupants, and so they wanted to free those Christians and and the country, um, but then of course, once you pick up the sword. Uh, more more can happen so uh, th- th- violence can can spiral spiral out of control the question of course is is this is this just the fault of of religion by itself you hear that so often uh, especially you know kind of it, it's a bit a trope nowadays like oh religion that's good for nothing it only causes wars and that of course, Historically, factually, is wrong. That is not the case. Most wars, so a large majority of wars, have nothing to do with religion. So it's not that by by uh, suppressing religion, uh, you will no will no longer have wars. That is ridiculous. Um, but uh, and and the second thing is religion. In in many cases, has uh, prevented wars. Has helped to reconcile people. Um, have have motivated people to do the right thing. Does it always work like that? No. Of course, people have also used faith as a justification for their violence and for their uh, um, conquering instincts and whatnot. And within the church, there has been and still is a lot of violence and abuse and whatnot. But is that God's fault? Is that the fault of religion? Or is it something that is our fault, and is something that God tries to, <laughs> tries to combat and tries to remove from our lives? Um, seeking peaceful solutions always should be the fir- our first instinct. I, I guess that in some situations, um, it it doesn't always help, and then you have to you also have to defend the weak. You also have to be strong. I mean, uh, um, if if a violent mob would threaten your children as a parent you would also if nothing helps you would also use maybe violence to <laughs> to to protect your you know the people that are dear to you so it's it's a it's a multifaceted problem i think and it's um i always dislike those easy one-liners like religion only causes war uh, i know for a fact from my own personal life that it did in many situations of in my life did the total opposite it helped me to not be violent or or vengeful or um you know bitter yeah. and faith and religion has helped me to be more merciful be more patient uh, to forgive instead of hitting back and i know also from personal experience how much that violence is in me and so yeah does religion cause violence? No. Um, does it often prevent violence? Yes. Is the history of, of uh, you know institutionalized religion without violence? No. Is it something that we sh- w- w- that God will help us with in, in the future? I hope so. I definitely hope so. So um, that's just some thoughts that I wanted to share with you.'d love to hear your opinion on this and if you have any questions, Uh, let me know on the Discord server. Let's talk about books. When did you become an expert in thermonuclear astrophysics? Last night. The packet. The extraction theory papers. Am I the only one who did the reading? While I was playing the jingle, um, the stream went live Again, so hopefully this will last a little bit longer than half an hour. Um, And someone in the chat uh, reminded me of the series called The Chosen about the life of Jesus and his uh, disciples, um, which is available for free uh, via an app. You can download an app, both for Android and iOS. And with the app, you'll get access to what is filmed. And it's been heralded as the best television series ever made about Jesus. And um, I still haven't watched it. I keep hearing that it is so good. Um, Eric, the seminarian who did his internship here uh, for the previous few months, he said that it often made him cry. And, you know, he's not the type of guy to cry a lot. (laughs) So hearing from him how much of an impact the series had made me even more, you know, curious about the series. And, well, it's just that, there's not enough time to watch all that. And I still don't have a TV, so I'm watching everything on my computer. That'll be my excuse. I, I just, I'm sitting at the computer for so long that I uh, I sometimes have to just step away from it. So I can't watch as much as, as normally. But there is a television on the horizon once the rectory is ready. And in the meantime, another way for me to to enjoy stories is just by good old-fashioned reading. Um, as you know, I I have a Kindle, and from time to time I I receive a little bit of uh, of uh, kickback from the links that I post, uh, the Amazon links, um, and and that after a while, after you've accumulated, and usually that's just a tiny little percentage of uh, of the amount that people are spending on Amazon. Um, when it gets to a certain extent, and Amazon sends us. Uh, since Tridio, uh a gift card which I then can use to buy new books for the Kindle and that's that's usually how I get how I discover new new books but uh, just last year I I, I have uh, I, I discovered another source of, of books and I love it it's storytel which I don't think is available in the United States yet it's very popular in a number of countries it comes from Sweden Um but they have localized versions for the Netherlands. I think also India. Maybe some other Nordic countries. The UK? I'm not sure. But that is a subscription model. So it's kind of the Netflix for audiobooks. And I love it. I'm so hooked on it. And I've already read almost almost 50 books, I think. 50 audiobooks. Just... By that subscription, so I've definitely got my money's worth, and uh, and I just love. it, Sometimes I I like to read a book on paper, but then I can't focus or it's a little bit too fatiguing. So sometimes I just go on a on my bike uh, when I have to do cross training, for instance, and I just for an hour I'm just listening to a few chapters uh, in audio, and I love it. And it also sometimes audio. Um, does a better job than I do when just reading the text. Sometimes you have these uh, almost audio plays with a full cast and sound effects and music, um, which makes it even more uh, uh, enjoyable to, to, to read a book or to listen to an audio book. So I've been listening to the Dutch version or the Dutch translation of Shadow and Bone about the Grisha. It's from the Grisha series um, uh, by Leigh Bardugo. It's a young adult novel, and it's got a lot of the tropes from it, but it was still very good. I really enjoyed the story. Um, I think quality-wise, it gets close to to the quality of The Hunger Games, uh, which maybe not everybody likes it, may not be everybody's cup of tea, but I was a huge fan and still am of The Hunger, Hunger Games uh, series. Uh, and this this new series is uh definitely in the same vein um but sometimes it's a bit annoying especially when it goes on and on about uh, the crush that the main character has on this boy and then, okay <laughs> yeah you've already told us what his eyes look like <laughs> but uh, but all in all the the the, the backstory is, is fascinating it tells a story about a country w- where um Parts of the world have been separated by a void, uh, where it's super dangerous. It's always dark. It's like this this completely opaque desert-like uh, dark country. Uh, you can try to travel through it, but you will be attacked by floating monsters that are a bit like the um, the wraiths from the Lord of the Rings, or uh, the soul-sucking dementors from from Harry Potter is all very scary, and only light can chase chase these creatures uh, away. And then the main character um, has gifts. Um, a lot of people have gifts. It's a it's a, a bit uh, reminiscent of Avatar, the animated uh, series. Um, so they they can they can modify and use the, the four elements: uh, water, fire, earth, wind. And then she, the main character, discovers that she is able to, to use the light, the, the power of the light, which, of course, is super, uh, m- way more powerful than any of the other. Uh, it's like the fifth element, except that in the fifth element it's love, but here it's light. But anyway, uh, thanks, Chin, for your, uh, your donation on YouTube while watching the chat. Uh, uh, you want to know if I've read the Throne trilogy? Yes, oh my gosh, it's so good. I love it, even though it is now relegated to the, the uh, kind of the mythological part of the of the Star Wars expanded universe, the legends. Uh, it's I still consider the the Timothy Zahn trilogy about Thrawn the the best Star Wars novels ever written. I don't think there will ever be something as good as the Thrawn trilogy, so I still would read it, <laughs> even though the timeline has has changed considerably, but considered as like an alternate timeline. Why not? Star Trek can do it. <laughs> Why can't Star Wars do that? So, um, but it's so well done. And Thrawn, of course, is now also part of the of the real canon. Um, so I, I was glad to see that, that they were able to salvage a lot of what makes that character so good. Um, provided, by the way, that you're speaking about the old Th- Thrawn trilogy. And not the new one, but because I think there are also a couple of new novels, uh, also written by Timothy Zahn about, uh, about Thrawn, but I haven't read those yet. I think I started reading the first one, and then I was listening to... Actually, I was listening to the audiobook, and then, unfortunately, Storytel didn't pursue the contract that they had with, I think, Penguin Books from the UK, which is the publisher of a lot of the Star Wars stuff here in Europe. So... All the audiobooks that I had lined up to listen to were all removed from my uh, from my bookshelves, which was so frustrating. But I did buy, I think at least two of the Zahn novels. let me check. I think I bought two of the newer ones on 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 Kindle, because I'm always looking for the deal of the day on Kindle. And that's how I buy all my books. I never buy a book full price. I always wait for them to go down. And then Star Wars novels often go on sale. And then I can just pick one up for uh, 99 cents or $1.99, which in euros is like 150. That's almost nothing for a re- recently new book. So let me uh, fire up the Kindle um, app here on my phone and see which ones I actually have in my library. Um, I'm actually, in general, I. Don't like the newer Star Wars book, books as much as the ones that I that are now part of the legends. Um, but that may also be because I'm so nostalgic about the time that there was no Star Wars. There was, Star Wars had ended the the final prequel movie for older Star Wars fans like uh, like me. We thought that that would be the end of Star Wars. There's, there, are, George Lucas actually had said, it, you know, yes, he had some ideas for a, for sequel movies, but those were not very developed, so we'd probably never see them. And he went on to go do other projects, like he was talking about doing smaller projects and step away from Star Wars. And then, and then all of a sudden, of course, Disney came along, and 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 Star Wars is back, better and bigger than ever. So I bought, actually, I think I've got three books. I've got. Star Wars Thrawn, book one. Then I've got Thrawn Alliances, which is book two. And then I i don't know if there's a third book, but then I also bought Star Wars Thrawn Ascendancy, book one, Chaos Rising. I bought all these three for $1.99 on the Kindle store. That's why you want to uh, be subscribed to my Twitter feed and uh, follow me on Facebook. That's where I post these uh, <laughs> these deals. When I whenever I find a book that is kind of in my, you know, I I'm I, I'm excited about the book and I'm excited about the deal. I always repost the the, the post to uh, to my social media. Um, the book of Boba Fett. Um, so yeah, so th- that. I, I think that Zahn wants to write a full trilogy about Thrawn, but I'm not sure. Maybe he's, he, he just wrote two books and then did a Thrawn prequel, I guess? The Ascendancy of Thrawn? That sounds like a prequel to the existing Thrawn stories. Anyway, uh, The Book of Boba Fett, of course, is a television series that is currently in production or already in post-production. They they wrapped up filming. We know that, that uh, it's uncertain if there will be a, 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 a second series based on the character of Boba Fett. I... I'm thinking just do one series. That's probably enough. I have no idea what to think of it, if it will be any good. Um, I was not the biggest fan of the Boba Fett that we saw in The Mandalorian um, because The Mandalorian is is cooler than Boba Fett. I'm sorry to say that, but he is actually cooler. (laughs) So, I mean, come on. He's got Baby Yoda. (laughs) I don't know. Uh, so we'll have to wait and see. I'm sure they will do a good job. So far, I'm liking everything that Disney Plus does, in, both for Marvel and, and Star Wars. I like it a lot. And uh, so I'll, I'll take it. I'll take it. We'll have to wait and see. Um, so, in the meantime, uh, I was talking about uh, the Grisha book that I was reading. Um, what I like about it is that it... it it is more detailed than the television series. so But it works totally to, to just watch the, the first season and read the book um, at the same time. That's what I did. Then I've got a great tip for uh, those of you that love science fiction. One of the, uh, allegedly, because I've only started reading it, I think a month ago, allegedly one of the best new science fiction novels is now available for free or will be available for free as a podcast series but it's going to be a limited run this is uh, the book called the three body problem and what i the reason that i started to read it was all the accolades it got on social media but also because it has been written by a chinese author uh Pinyin Santi and I'm probably butchering that name. No, actually no. That's the No, Santi. No, ah, Don't mind that. We'll, we'll 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 cut that out in post-production. No. <laughs> the novel is written by Liu Qi Something like that. It's it's a series of books. Um, according to Wikipedia, The Three-Body Problem is a science fiction novel. Uh And the title refers to the three-body problem in orbital mechanics. It is the first novel of the remembrance of Earth's past trilogy. Uh, But Chinese readers generally refer to the whole series as the three-body problem. Uh, Let me see on Goodreads if there is a short summary here. Uh, Set against the backdrop of China's cultural revolution. This makes it so interesting because the first few chapters are all about the, the cultural revolution communist revolution, of course. Uh, So you, you never guess from the first chapter that this is going to be a science fiction novel. But set against the backdrop of that revolution, a secret military project sends signals into space to establish contact with aliens. An alien civilization on the brink of destruction captures the signal and plans to invade Earth. That sounds a little bit like Contact, one of my favorite science fiction movies with Jodie Foster. Meanwhile, on Earth, different camps start forming planning to either welcome the superior beings and help them take over a world seen as corrupt or to fight against the invasion. The result is a science fiction masterpiece of enormous scope and vision. Now, I already bought this book on, on the Kindle store, um, but I was so excited to read that there is going to be a free podcast series which will be read. It's like the audiobook of this a very, very highly acclaimed science fiction novel and it's available starting right now and every week they're going to post a new chapter and that's going to be available for free to listen to and then I think towards the end of the year when they finish the book, they will leave it up for a few weeks and then it will be gone forever. I think that's a great concept for a podcast and it definitely made me subscribe to... To the podcast series. they've been doing this actually with other books as well. Only now I started reading about the you know about this book. Um, the podcast you want to subscribe to is called Stories from Among the Stars. Stories from Among the Stars. If you type that in, you'll find the podcast and they already posted, I think, three or four chapters now of the book. So I'm going to read it. And maybe we'll chat about it on the Discord server if I can find some other people that want to form a little reading group with me. That'll be fun. You know, that's one of the advantages of having a community on Discord is that you can you can do stuff like uh, doing a little book club. So if there are any listeners wanting to join me on Discord to, to chat about the three-body problem, I'll create a section for, for us to to chat about And because it is serialized, we all can listen to the same chapters at the same time, we won't have the problem of, you know, some people being ahead and some people having finished a book or not. Well, maybe some have re- read the, the 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 written book. But let's listen to this audiobook together. I think it's going to be a lot of fun. So, uh, that's my tip. Let's move over to the world of science. The scientifically wonderful world of science. What sort of science? Welcome back, science friends. Now, of course, this was a big... Week for uh, for for scientists and and fans of space exploration in general, and I'm referring actually to two uh, news articles. The first one, of course, was Richard Branson's sub orbital space flight. He was the first of three millionaires who wants to go to space, and um, well, I have some thoughts about that. I think it's cool that you know, we're 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 sending people into space. I mean, that, what's not to like about that? And I, I like the different approaches to it. You know, the, some will use rockets. In this case, it was like a plane underneath a plane, a little bit like a, uh, a, a, a the Phantom Manus type version of, of the space shuttle because it was all kind of shiny, just like Padme Amidala's ship. And so, or Queen Amidala's ship, I should say. So I like that. What I didn't, like or what I don't like is that it's ultimately it's a race of millionaires you know and it's like okay uh what is what is true interest in in astronomy and what is ego here especially kind of the race uh, <laughs> aspect of it who will be the first to reach space and we're still talking about suborbital uh, uh adventures right so this is not it's suborbital means you'll eventually fall back to Earth, it's not a sustainable trajectory around the Earth. So, is this truly space, or is it the edge of space? Well, they were weightless, so I guess that's what matters most to them. And it was just four minutes. So, yeah, I don't know. It's just a ton of money, and I'm thinking the world is in so much pr- trouble right now. Now, of course, people will say, "Well, if 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 money, if you if you constantly come with that argument of well, you could have fed uh, thousands or millions of people." with the money that was spent on space exploration, then we would never be able to do any space exploration. But still, this this was leisure, right? They're trying to set up expensive, like a business around around these space trips that are made available to very rich people. And I'm thinking, well, isn't that... <laughs> that sounds a very big... That's a very big first world type of hobby, Um and would you really want to spend like a million bucks on, on just four minutes of weightlessness? For my part, I'd prefer to just put on some VR goggles and, <laughs> and approach it. I mean, I don't know. But um, the, second, the second news was, for me, more interesting because this is about science. And that is Juno's flyby of Jupiter and Ganymede. Now, if you uh, recall, Juno was in orbit around Jupiter and took a ton of photos of that massive gas planet, which is, has always tickled my ima- imagination and and fancy ever since I, I saw it with my own eyes through a telescope. And I, I think this was my brother who actually um, uh, was able to show me Jupiter and Saturn. And I saw the rings around Saturn, and on, on Jupiter you could see... M- m- the the big red storm the red eye that has always been visible um from earth and that is actually just a huge storm that is so powerful that the 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 air or the gas or whatever is circling around gets so hot that it becomes hotter than lava it's that's probably what explains the red color and and this storm has been going on for centuries if i'm not mistaken However, it is diminishing. It's slowly getting less red and ultimately it may become fully circular. Right now it's got an egg shape and and maybe ultimately it will just disappear. But I was, as a child, I was fascinated by that r- big red spot on the planet of Jupiter. So anyway, there was this Juno explorer ship that was circling Jupiter and at one, at one point... The scientists and I think they decided that after they came up with the mission there's like well our ship is so uh strong because i think it's completely encased in um in uh titanium that and it's it's fed by solar power we can give it a swing and then if we calculate the tra- tra- trajectory uh carefully it can do a flyby of three of the four big moons of Jupiter. And that, of course, is always cool because those moons of Jupiter are super interesting. Now, it first passed Ganymede, uh, which is the least interesting planet. Or or it's not planet. Well, it's actually almost planet size, I think. But it's it's more of a conventional moon. Uh, so we got very good close-up photos, closer than anything we've seen before. But then the next two moons, those are really interesting. In 2021, so next year, it's going to fly by, do a flyby of Europa. And as you know, Europa is mostly ocean. It's mostly water. And it is covered in a thick crust of ice. It is one of the few bodies in our solar system where scientists think that if there is life somewhere... It may be right there under the surface. Um, and then, later on, I don't know exactly when, it's going to do the most dangerous flyby of Io. And Io is a moon that is one big volcano. It's covered in lava. We've seen some... There have been flybys in the past, but from a big distance. Um, we've seen some huge eruptions on that uh, on that moon. And it's all active. And, and uh, one of the mysteries is why, or used to be, why is there such active uh, uh, volcanism? Is that how you call it? Why is there so much volcanic activity on that moon? And it turns out that it's probably because of the pull, the gravity pull of the planet Jupiter, which of course is huge compared to any other planet in our solar system. And just the gravitational friction that it causes... On that moon is what makes the whole the whole uh, uh, thing so unstable. And It's constantly it's kind of tearing it apart all, all the time, and so Juno is going to do a super close flyby, and it may actually get pretty hot. But the scientists are confident that because of the titanium encasing of Juno, it will be able to give us some close-up photos of volcanic activity on one of the poles of that. Moon, which is super exciting for, uh, for scientists, but also, of course, for us. So, uh, yeah, I'd rather have us spend some money on that kind of exploration than on the tourist trips uh, around our planet by our billionaires. Then again, we, we made them billionaires. Let's not forget about that. We're all creating these egos because we buy at Amazon. We want to drive around in Teslas. We uh, are flying, you know, with cheap, cheap uh, flights uh, with Virgin Airlines. That's how these people have gotten so rich. So we're partially uh, (laughs) to blame for what's happening right now. Let's hope that they will also add some charitable causes to their, the many ways in which they can spend their money. That would be my advice. We are on the cutting edge of technology. Wow. Well, what does that mean? Let's plug it in. It's going to say, hey, I see you've plugged in a new device. And it's going to load in the appropriate drivers. You'll notice that this scanner built... Whoa. Well, all your technology stuff, it just ends in disaster. But there is one more thing. Yes, there's one more thing that we ought to talk about, and that is uh, technology. Um, (laughs) Recently, I was almost uh, uh, tempted to get myself an Apple Watch. Uh, The reason being that uh, it was on sale, the Apple Watch SE, was discounted more than a hundred bucks, so I think it was only like two thirty, which is super cheap, let's be honest. so uh, <laughs> but then I was reading up on how I could uh, link it to my Android phone only to discover that well too bad you can't. It is impossible to uh, to 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 sync it with your phone, which makes it completely uh uninteresting and uh com- yeah you know, completely uh wait a minute i have to uh report someone in the in the yeah there we go we have her removed someone from the chat. I wish that people would just remove themselves uh, instead of me having to do that. Okay. right, we we cleaned it up. or uh, maybe I'm not even sure, yeah, the stream the stream is still uh, still up. So most of the time when I when I stream I have someone doing the moderation but um because I did an impromptu stream and most of the time we don't really have people that are trying to shock other people most people are a little bit more polite and they just find something else to do with their time but I guess some people uh some people are are uh, a little bit uh incurable. Oh well. Um so I read that you cannot link your Apple Watch to any other phone than the iPhone. Now, as you know, I have been thinking about maybe switching back to the iPhone, mostly because of its incredible, uh, potent cameras. And I'm eagerly waiting for the reveal of the iPhone 13 uh, to see what they're going to do with their with their uh, cameras, because it's already quite spectacular what the, uh, the especially the iPhone 12 Max can do. Um I generally dislike the cost and the closed nature of of Apple phones or the iOS environment but on the other hand it does what it does really well and I know that from having an iPad so it's still I I love the versatility of my Android phone but I don't like uh but but I don't like the fact that that on on the on the Android phone uh oftentimes apps will not work very well or you can't turn them or you can't make them bigger. It's, there's always something. It's not the most stable environment. Whereas with the, the iPad, I've got a lot of um, issues with some of the, for instance, why can't they just allow me to play iPhone apps? So apps made for a small screen, How? why can't I just play those in a window on my iPad when it's in landscape mode. When Instagram, uh, um, TikTok, I always have to turn the whole screen around, which is so obnoxious because I have a a, a clip-on keyboard that is attached to it. And it's such a hassle. I just want to sit in front of my... I, I kind of use my iPad as a, a, a laptop. So why can't it just turn those apps ninety? Ninety degrees. I don't know. Anyway, but so maybe once I switch back to an iPhone, then it's it's going to be worth my while to get an Apple Watch. But uh, for now, I'm just sticking with my what is it super cheap me? What is it? It's like a a little wrist watch watch that I have, which works fine in conjunction with my Android phone. It just doesn't have independent GPS. So when I train for my marathon. I still have to carry a lug around this huge (laughs) Android phone that I have that is actually the same size and the same weight as the Apple 12 Pro Max. So it is pretty big and it's pretty heavy. And if you have to run two hours and later on in the training three hours, you have to run around with a big block of technology like that. It gets really heavy. So... I don't know. That's why I was thinking, oh, maybe if I get myself a, a an Apple Watch and I'm thinking, well, I won't be able to sync it with anything. I don't think you can even sync it to your iPad. It needs a phone. And I do have an old iPhone 6. But to to well, maybe I could do that. But then I would only have the iPhone 6 to to sync with the with the watch. It doesn't make sense. It doesn't it's it's too much of a hassle. Anyway, I was on the verge, I was on the brink of getting myself an Apple Watch. So if Apple would have opened it, made it a little bit easier for Android users to, uh, to sync it, any other watch can do it, then they'd have a customer in me. But they didn't. Oh, well. And then I'm uh, eager to try out my new DJI OM4, which is a, uh, a gimbal for my phone which is very strong but what it has in 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 contrast with my dji 3 so i did have the gimbal 3 is that it has um, magnets so i can attach a magnet to the back of my phone and then it will just clip into place whereas with the previous version of the dji you have to balance it manually and it takes like 10 minutes before you can start filming and that is too much time usually the occasion is over so um, anyway I'll keep you up to date Uh, thank you so much for listening to this episode sorry for those of you that are watching this live for the the trouble in the chat room and for the um, internet breaking I guess that's still going to be my my lot in life for the next foreseeable months until I'm in my own rectory and I will have super fast fiber internet I'm really looking forward to that time Uh, Coming up for my patrons over at patreon.com slash Father Roderick, another episode, another podcast in which I will talk a little bit more about uh, how I train for my marathon and which apps I'm using. I'll give you my recipe for a really tasty curry with cauliflower rice. I just made it today. Even Father Henry liked it and he's usually not much into, you know, the veggie stuff. (laughs) I'll I'll, uh, explain how I'm importing MKV files into Adobe Premiere Pro. I'll talk a little bit more about video conversion and some apps that I'm using. Of course, I'll give you uh, more uh, expanded thoughts on Loki. We'll talk about Sumorum Portificum and uh, today's uh, new rules around uh, the old liturgy, the old way of celebrating Mass. And we'll talk about video games. There's a lot of exciting news. Um, Valve came out with a portable, or is going to come out with a portable PC. It looks just like the Switch, the Nintendo Switch, but then it can play most of your Steam games. It's super exciting. We'll talk a little bit more about about classic Atari games. I've been playing uh, Centipede and Breakout and Lunar Lander. Was it as good as I remembered it? I'll, I'll let you know in Father Roderick to the max. And then, of course, we need to talk about the newest, like, elite premiere Lego set that just came out that was just revealed of a Star Wars ship from the prequels. Um, I'll share my thoughts in uh, Father Roderick to the max. And of course, I'll do my review and my commentary on the last episode, the season finale of season one of Loki. And, well, after that, I think I'm going to do a Star Wars commentary for the, uh, the, uh, for the patrons. All right. Thanks for listening. Thanks for joining me. We'll talk soon. Take care, and God bless.